we unplugged everything during VBS, and we had to plug everything up. I'm not going to say that I was the one responsible for that, but uh, <laughs> we got to make sure all the music works again. So thank you, everyone, for sharing your gifts with us today. And we do prepare today for celebration of our nation's independence. And you see, what happened on July 4th, 1776, was that our founding fathers set out to declare a strategy for the success of our country. They set out a strategy for a people to be liberated, for a people to be successful, and to lay out a roadmap of what our country would look like. Now, as we know today, uh, a successful leader in the government has to follow that roadmap in order for it to make sense. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. But I believe we had some smart leaders that laid out a smart strategy to secure our nation's continued independence and success. As a church, we must do the same thing. We must have a plan. We must have a road, ra- a road map. There's a lot of people, I've heard this great quote before, that if you don't know where you're going, you'll never know when you end up there. There's a lot of churches that don't know where they're going. There was a famous psychologist who took these uh, caterpillars and he wanted to study the, uh, effects, uh, uh, the mental effects in animals and they're these caterpillars that follow, follow each other. They follow the one in front of it. So what he did is he took about six of them and he connected them tail to, uh, head to tail and made a circle. And all they did was they followed each other day and night in a circle. Because no one knew where the other ones were going. They didn't have a leader. So they were just going around in a circle. Now here's a very good point we need to observe. They were busy, but they weren't going anywhere. They were busy, but they had no direction. You see, God didn't call us just to be busy. God didn't call us just to do a lot of stuff. God didn't call us to have a busy church. We're called to have a successful church. And in order for that to happen, we have to understand a strategy. Last week, if you were here, we reviewed the purpose and the mission of friendship. Can someone tell me our mission here at Friendship? Yep. If you look in your bulletin, it's printed right up the top every Sunday. Open it up to the the, the inside page right at the top. Let's read this together. Equipping families and individuals to fulfill the great commission in their community and around the world. That is our church's mission. To equip families and individuals to fulfill the great commission. To be honest with you, you would think that that's every church's mission, wouldn't you? But oftentimes that's not the case. Oftentimes they exist uh, families to equip families and individuals to fulfill their desires. Oftentimes they exist to equip families and individuals to fulfill what makes people feel good. Some churches look like that, but God has called us to the Great Commission. That's our destination. Both our purpose and our mission can be classified as vision because they set forth what our destination will look like. I'm thankful for how the, uh, the Lord has led in the life of friendship here. I'm thankful that the church and the pastor's search committee had a vision for reaching young people to begin with before I ever arrived here. They said, we, we want to reach young people. So you can definitely say that this church is a church with a vision. 
Proverbs 29, 18 is familiar, familiar to most of you. You don't have to turn there yet. I've got more scriptures coming up. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Now, there's one good thing going on in the, in the, the church world today. There's no shortage of talk about vision. You hang out with a group of pastors, you'll hear, vision this and vision that. Oh, what's your vision? What's your vision? Everybody's talking about vision. There's no shortage of vision. If you go to the Baptist bookstore, you can find books and books on vision. How to develop a vision. How to cast a vision. It's there. It's there. Problem is, (laughs) there was a great quote I heard by John Maxwell. He said, if you have a vision but no leaders, or I'm sorry, if you have a vision but no followers... You probably just have indigestion. (laughs) There's a lot of people that have a vision, but nobody's following. You probably just have indigestion. A vision has to be coupled with a strategy of how that vision is going to be achieved. And, and, you know, as there is so much talk going on about vision, the Lord said, why do you think everyone's talking about vision? Turn here to Acts chapter 2 for a second. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. While you're turning there, do y'all think the choir sounded pretty good today? Well, if you didn't think, think it did, uh, come to choir practice tonight at 5. All right, if not, be quiet. I think they sounded great because I was in it. I'm just kidding. Acts two seventeen. Scripture says this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Now, if you're old but don't think you're old, go around talking about visions and not your dreams. Because the Bible says the young men will have visions. But the old men will have dreams. God needs both for his kingdom. But what is happening is I believe we're in the latter days. And I believe that God is pouring out his vision upon young people. God is pouring uh, out his vision upon young leaders in the church. I even spoke with a friend last week that says, man, in the past three or four years, there's a lot of resurgence of activity going on in the body of Christ. Especially in the activity of, of young leaders, even in the Baptist church. Even in the Baptist church, there's a lot of stuff going on where God is pouring out his vision. But we don't have to, we've got that part. We need to get beyond it to to how we're going to accomplish it. So here's where I want to transfer for a second. Vision answers this. Vision answers where are we going. Strategy answers how will we get there. Right? Right? Plenty of preachers lay out the vision, lay out the destination, but never tell you how they're going to get there. It's great to have a vision of, uh, I've heard people say, man, we want a thousand young people at our church. That's a great vision. How's it going to happen? I've heard of visions that says, man, we want to knock on every door in Concord. That's a great vision. What's your strategy that's going to make it happen? 
Today we're going to talk about strategy. As I mentioned to the children this morning, Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And then we see in Proverbs 16.9 that a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step. I don't want anybody to get me wrong today. I don't want anyone to say, well, well, the pastor is deciding what the church is going to do. No, because it says in the scripture that a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step. See, God leaves it up to man. God says, this is where you need to go. And he leaves it up to man to look into scripture and determine how we're going to get there. But once we say this is how we're going to get there, the Lord determines his steps. God will say, this is the next step. This is the next step. This is the next step. But if we don't start out with a strategy, we'll never put one foot in front of the other. I can assure you that today, that, that, that what you will hear is the result of months of prayer. I've been praying for the Lord to show me a strategy for our church for eight months now. And I believe God's given me some insight into the scripture. And I believe what you're going to see today is going to be a successful strategy that our church can apply. Now here's our strategy. I'm going to say it and then I'm going to explain it. Our strategy is this. Know, grow, show, and go. You're like, wow, imagine that. Pastor Jesse rhymed. (laughs) Y'all know me, I like to rhyme everything. We're going to explain what that is and here's what I'm going to do. Like I gave the children some bracelets. I'm going to put these bracelets in the offering plates. We're going to pass these around as the sermon goes on. Take one, pass the plate on. I want you to wear this. I want you to pray for our church. Let it remind you of why we exist. Take one, pass it around. But so, see, the offering plate's coming around to give you something. Imagine a Baptist church doing that. <laughs> y'all go to the lunch, y'all say, man, a Petra Pastor... Passed around the offering plate, gave us something back. Praise the Lord. So here it is. Know, grow, show, and go. If you got your notes in your bulletin, we're going to start out with our notes. It says this. We've got to know the gospel. We've got to know the gospel. You say, well, preacher, I think we pretty much know the gospel. I wouldn't be so sure. I'm going to tell you why. You think that everyone knows the gospel, but you know what? There's still two billion people on earth that haven't even heard the gospel. How can we claim to know it when we haven't even shared it with everybody that's not even seen it yet? You see, once we know the gospel, and I'm talking about knowing it, I don't believe there's going to be people left in the world that haven't heard it. And the reason there's people left that haven't heard it is because all the Christians don't truly know it. Here's where I want you to turn today. You're already in Acts. We're in chapter 2. Look at verse 42. about the New Testament church here. And this gives us insight into the strategy of the New Testament church. It says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. 
Let me read it again. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and good, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. My, my, my. See what happens with a church that's on fire for God? God added people daily, those who were being saved. So I'll start out with this. We must know the gospel. And we see this in Acts 2.42. It says they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. That means they committed themselves to the doctrine of the apostles. Now you would think, well, wouldn't the disciples and apostles already know what Jesus had to say? Sure they did. But they made sure that they continued in it day by day, lest they forget. You see, what happens if you go to the gym three times a week for six months? Man, you're in shape. But then for three weeks, you miss the gym. What happens? In three weeks, you can fall three months behind. Matter of fact, if I miss miss one week at the gym, I can tell I've fallen behind. The same is true with church. You see, you can be experiencing spiritual growth, spiritual growth, but then you know what? You decide to go, uh, I don't know, skeet shooting. I come up with something that way, don't step on any toes. If you skeet shooted last week, praise God, I'm talking right to you, okay? (laughs) But you come up with something, and then you miss church, and then you don't make it Wednesday night, and then you don't get around here, and what happened is, you just, man, the three weeks of growth, you slid back. That's why we must continue steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles. Now here's the great thing about knowing the gospel. Knowing the gospel fulfills the biblical purpose of discipleship. We understand that there are five biblical purposes. Knowing the gospel understands the biblical purpose of discipleship. So you say, preacher, what do you mean by know the gospel? Well, I'll tell you what I don't mean. I don't mean a surface level knowledge. I don't mean a a face value knowing Here's what I mean by know the gospel. Psalm 46.10, the scripture you're familiar with, says, Be still and know that I am God. Here's what's interesting. That word for know in Hebrew is yada. It means an intimate knowledge. I'm going to take that a step further. The same word in Psalm, when it says know God, which is yada, is the word used in Genesis 4.10, when it's, I'm sorry, 4-1, when it says Adam knew Eve. Adam yada Eve. That means knew her on an intimate level. Now I'm going to keep this PG since we have young people here. But married people can figure it out. But can we say this? That every husband and wife is a picture of the church knowing its love. The bridegroom of Christ. See, God doesn't just want you to be familiar with himself. God doesn't want you to just be an acquaintance with the gospel or with Jesus. God wants you to know Jesus on such an intimate level where you can go around telling people about Jesus, not because some preacher told you about it, but because you know him. 
See, that, I didn't say know about Jesus. There's a lot of Christians that know about Jesus. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Yeah, I go to church. What's the name of it? Uh, you know, it's over there on Lattimore. Oh, what's the preacher's name? Man, he came about seven months ago, new preacher. I'm not, I'm not asking if you know about Jesus. I want you to know if you know Jesus. Did you talk to him this morning? Did you talk to him before you went to bed? Is he your best friend? Is he your Lord and Savior? That's when you know Jesus. And you start living from intimacy instead of living from legalism. Because if you don't know Jesus, then you start living because of guilt. But let me tell you something. Jesus loves you inside and out. Jesus loves you no matter if you mess up today or if you're perfect today. And guess what? You ain't going to be perfect. Jesus loves you intimately. And knowing the gospel is an intimate knowing back. As I said before, you might think this is on an elementary level to say we need to know the gospel. But there's a lot of churches that don't. Each Christian is called to be an expert on the subject of his title. And that is Christ. If you are a Christian, you have the title of Christ on you. Are you going to call yourself something by the master's name but not know him? But you think you can't be an expert because you have had no formal study. Here are some encouraging words. Three of my favorite preachers in history. Charles Spurgeon, Billy Sunday, D.L. Moody. Do you know what they all have in common? Neither of the three had formal education. Formal Christian education. But buddy, they knew God. And that's why they could preach. That's why they're known as some of the greatest preachers in yesterday. Not because they spent time and got a degree, because they spent time on their knees and had a power and an intimate knowing of who God was. You see, here's part of our strategy. Know the gospel. We gather on Sunday to know the gospel. We meet in Sunday school to know the gospel. And we read our Bibles every day to know the gospel. When you realize that God's plan for you is to know the Bible front to back, know the gospel, like you know uh, sports statistics or whatever you know more about. When you understand it's God's plan for you to know the gospel, Sunday school becomes a bigger priority. Wednesday night prayer meeting becomes a bigger priority. Because if we don't know the gospel, we can't fulfill the rest. Let me tell you something. For 10 years, I've been in the ministry. I've been reading the Bible Teaching the Bible, God shows me something new every day. Don't think you got it figured out. Don't think you're good enough where you don't have to come study. If you ever think you don't have to study, let me tell you something. You've missed the whole point. I could say, well, I know my life well. I, I, I know my wife well enough. I don't need to go on a date with her this Friday. Probably won't uh, prove to be successful for me. You see where I'm going? Knowing the gospel is not about information, it is about transformation. And here's the great thing. Transformation can only happen by prayer. Transformation can only happen by prayer. Secondly, as part of our strategy, after we know, then we grow. We grow the church. As we looked in the book of Acts, Acts 2.47, it says, The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When Christians act like Christians, other people are drawn to it. 
When the Christians got together and broke bread together, other people were drawn to it. When the Christians got together and sold everything they had in common and gave to each one as others have need, other people were drawn to it. When we start loving each other like we're supposed to, lost people will be drawn to it. When we quit the bickering and the complaining and the backbiting and the gossiping and love each other because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, you might not like me, but you're going to see me for eternity. Let's be nice to each other. When we start doing that, lost people are drawn to it. See, the natural structure of the church is to grow. Most churches ask this question. They say, what can we do to grow? But what they should be asking is this. Why aren't we growing in the first place? The natural tendency of a church is to grow. When churches naturally do the things we're supposed to do, they will grow. But here's the kicker. The more that we know about the gospel, the deeper the roots go to prepare for growth. I think about Psalm 1. It talks about the man, but I think it refers to the church. It says, his delight is in the the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in its season, and his leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. This is not just a picture of a man. This is a picture of a church that's planted in the word of God. A church that's planted in the word of God will be like a tree planted by the streams of water. Its roots will grow deep. It will bringeth forth fruit in its season, praise God, and its leaf won't wither. This is a promise from Scripture. You know, I think about such things like this. Why are we in the process of acquiring a bus to grow the church? Why is the church talking about having a youth minister to work with young people to grow the church? Why will we eventually need new buildings so that more people can worship to grow the church? We should plan for growth, expecting that God will bring it. Some churches are big, but they don't have much fruit. Back when my wife and I lived up outside of Greensboro, we had two tomato plants. One had grown huge. And the other one was kind of small. But once the fruit started appearing, that huge plant had tiny tomatoes. But that small plant had big tomatoes. You see, one was large, but it didn't bear much fruit. The other one, even though it was small, had beautiful tomatoes. You see, church, it don't matter if we're a hundred or a thousand, we can bear fruit for God. You don't have to be a mega church to fulfill God's visions. We're called to be fruitful. And fruit comes through growth. Here's the great thing. Fruitful growth can only happen by prayer. I'm on a theme here. Transformation can only happen by prayer. Fruitful growth can only happen by prayer. After we know the gospel, after we grow the church, then we show the gospel. Acts 2.45 shows us again. It says they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. You know what they were doing? They were showing the gospel. They were showing the gospel to each other. All the lost people saw the church showing the gospel. Everyone was selling their stuff. Why are you selling their stuff? Well, Jesus gave up everything for me. They were showing the gospel. We're not just called to know, we're called to show. And this fulfills the biblical purpose of ministry. John 21, 15, Jesus is talking to Simon Peter, and Jesus says, do you love me? Matter of fact, he says, do you agape me? 
If you know this about agape, it means an unconditional love. And what does Peter say back? He says, well, of course, Lord, you know that I like you. Peter used the word phileo. I like you, Lord. So Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. Then he asks him again, Peter, do you agape me? Again, Peter says, well, of course, Lord, you know that, that I like you. Well, feed my lambs. And lastly, Jesus says, Peter, do you even like me? Peter says, of course, Lord, you know that I like you. Jesus says, shepherd my sheep. What Jesus says, if you are claiming to have affection for me, then minister to the people that I told you to minister to. Jesus says, it doesn't even have to be an agape love towards God. Even if it's an affection for Jesus, it should result in action towards people. Affection for Jesus should result in action towards people. It should result in showing the gospel. Going out of our way to make the gospel known. We show the gospel through love by getting outside our normal box and out of our normal comfort zone to minister to others. If you were here Wednesday for the wrestling event, you saw that News Channel 14 came and did an interview of our church during the wrestling outreach. First of all, I think it's pretty amazing that they wanted to do a story on that. You know what's awesome? When the world sees the church showing the gospel, they're intrigued. They're like, man, that's pretty cool. They said, we want to do a story on that. They came here. They interviewed Brother George. And I don't know what questions they asked all of him. It was a lot of them. But he came to me. He says, why are you doing this? My response was this. So that people who don't go to church know that there is a church who cares, who wants them to come have a good time, and wants them to hear the gospel. There's nothing wrong with coming to church and having fun. And you know what? Gospel and fun, I believe, can go together. I believe we can come into church and have a good shouting time. Church is not boring. It is not negative. It is fun. That's why we wanted to do that. You know what? I heard that there were some saying, well, you know, really a church doesn't need to be doing something like this. But can I tell you, as I mentioned before, that on Thursday, I had the chance to pray with a young man who accepted Christ as his Savior right after the wrestling event. You see, when we go out of our our box in faith to show the gospel, God honors it. When we are faithful to God, God is faithful to us. Here's the deal. Before we plant the seeds, before we show the gospel, we must plow the ground with prayer. Let me share something with you. God kind of convicted me. As I was meditating on this, no, grow, show, go, God said, God said, where's prayer? As I talked to the Lord about it, what he showed me was that it's in all of it. You see, that's why it says, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We can plan all day long, But unless God anoints it with prayer, it'll just be vain mumbling. But when we commit our plan to God, he will ordain the steps needed to fulfill his kingdom. And lastly is this. 
We know the gospel, grow the church, show the gospel, then go to the mission field. I've got to rewind for a second. Turn to Acts 1.8. Scripture says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here, by go, we see fulfilled the biblical purpose of evangelism. What we've done in our strategy is we have covered. We have covered discipleship. We have covered fellowship. We have covered ministry. We have covered evangelism. We're called to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here's the deal. Our Jerusalem is Concord. We're called to minister first in Concord. We're called to minister in our own backyard. Our Judea is North Carolina. Guess what? We're called to minister in North Carolina. Disaster relief, evangelistic efforts, whatever the Lord may bring, we're called to minister there. Our Samaria is North America. You know what, church? We here are called to minister in North America. And finally, as part of the body of Christ, our ends of the earth are the ends of the earth. There's people in Africa that don't know about Jesus. Somebody's got to take responsibility for it. We've got members from our church that's been to Africa several times. And I hope we can send people back. Some friends I were talking to this week, they said they had been on a trip to Honduras. Praise God. We got a brother coming to our church on Wednesday nights. He, he's from Haiti. He's a pastor down in Haiti. They need the gospel in Haiti too. You know, some people says, well, we don't need to spend money sharing the gospel over there when there's people that don't know about Jesus here. I agree, you're exactly right, but not at the neglect of anyone else. Why can't we minister to all four like Jesus said? Because I'm going to tell you what, there's probably five, uh, over a thousand churches in Cabarrus County that should be sowing the gospel here anyway. I think they got it pretty much covered here. And it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Guess what? Power of the Holy Spirit only comes through prayer. This is why God gave me the idea for a bracelet. Because every time we look at our church, every time we look at the strategy, it reminds us to pray. It reminds us to fold our hand and pray for God's will to be done. For his kingdom to come. You know, the spirit of missions is the spirit of prayer. As I close, I want to share about the Moravian Church. The Moravian Church established a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week prayer ministry. This was hundreds of years ago. They had someone praying at their church 24 hours a day, every day of the week. Do you know what happened? As they got connected into God's heart through prayer, as they began to pray, God burdened them with the heart for missions, and boy, did they start sending out missionaries. The Moravian church sent out more missionaries than any other church in history. And you know why I think there was such a link? Because the praying church is the going church. You can't pray and not get connected to God's heart for lost people. If you're not connected to God's heart for lost people, I can trace it to a lack of prayer. 
But when a church starts praying, God starts sending. I always say that one day, if God lets me, I'll pastor a church with no one in the pews. Because everyone will be on the mission field. You say, well, pastor, why aren't you on the mission field? I am. Because if no one sins, no one will go. God has called us to be senders, to be equippers, to be facilitators, to get people over there, to see young men called into the ministry, to see them licensed, to see them ordained, to see them anointed. While I'm sharing this, let me mention this. Brother George South, who led the outreach event on Wednesday, he's going to be commissioned as our staff evangelist July 15th. We're going to have a commissioning service for him. Amen. I'm excited about that. And what blessed me so much is that that George was saying, saying that in all his years of ministry, all the years he's been sharing the gospel, he had never had a church offer that. So you know what? The church has been dropping the ball long enough. It's time to wrap our arms around members of the body of Christ. No matter what their ministry is, no matter how they share the gospel, no matter what God's doing in their life, and say, we support you, we love you, go with our blessing, because we're back here praying. Here's what we're going to do today during our time of invitation. Most importantly, I don't want you to wear a bracelet on your wrist if you don't wear Jesus around your heart. We saw one young man give his life to Jesus this week in Vacation Bible School. And it was all worth it. But maybe there's an adult here. You know what? You don't know Jesus in an intimate way. But God wants to know you. Matter of fact, God has been pursuing you ever since the day you were born. He's foreordained this day in history that you hear the gospel, hear about a Savior that is intimately in love with you. I'm going to ask that every head be bowed, every eye be closed as our musician comes. I want to talk to somebody, but you could say, Pastor Jesse, today I know that I don't know uh, the Lord is my Savior on an intimate level. I've known about Jesus, but I've never invited him to become my Lord and Savior and save me. I want you to do something with me. Before you hear the good news, you got to hear the bad news and understand this, that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Would you right where you're at and in the seat say, God, I know that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And secondly, do this. The intimate knowing comes first through believing that he died for you. You can't know him unless you believe. Right where you're at, if you would say, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin. And I trust him right now as my Lord and Savior. Lastly, if you're saying, I want to know Jesus today with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to do something. If you say, Pastor, I'm knowing Jesus today, I'm inviting him to be my Savior, just raise your hand with no one looking around. Say, Pastor, I'm inviting Jesus to be my Savior today. Just lift your hand up. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? 
Anybody else? God's working in your heart. And you say, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus today. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. As we end our prayer. Father God, we pray for our members. We pray for our church. We pray for our strategy to accomplish and fulfill the great commission. We submit it before you. We ask that you would anoint it to be used for your glory and continue to do a mighty work here. God, won't you send the harvest for whoever's made a decision today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.